Hey everyone, welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. In this podcast, we'll be breaking down the sermon from the previous week, diving into theological discussions, and even having some fun. Make sure to join us every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Music, and download our Zion Lutheran Church app for more updates. And with that, we hope you enjoy the Breakthrough Breakdown. All right, everybody, welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. Woo! This is Kate Hopple filling in for Pastor Jason. He is in the Dominican Republic, and we feel so bad for him right now. He is sitting on the beach enjoying. Yeah. (laughs) We're hoping he brings some sunshine back with us. But everybody, introduce yourself. I'm John. Jennifer. And Megan. And this week we have Jennifer Kobe bringing in some Holy Spirit fire teaching again. Uh, we are so lucky to have her on staff and to be a part of the uh, teaching and preaching staff here at Zion. And we are so excited. She is bringing us in to the final chapter. The final countdown. <laughs> I think Derek, Pastor Derek was going to cry in sermon read through. <laughs> We're almost there, guys. But we don't want to get too ahead of ourselves because I think we still have like two or three more weeks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's the final chapter. Next up. Leviticus. <laughs> and we pre-record this, but the sermon was given on Super Bowl Sunday. So, Jennifer, please, what is your, you know, pressing question on everybody's minds? Do you watch? Well, I, I guess I have two because I forgot about the Super Bowl already. <laughs> <laughs> question number one. Okay. Do you go to the football game for the game or do you go for the marching band? Oh, easy. You go for the marching band. <laughs> marching band because I married I guess, a bandy. <laughs> I guess I'm biased because my high school... Had a really, really good marching band, really talented marching band. That was what we did in the fall. So there were certain people that and perhaps would go. a less so talented football team. Yeah, I don't want. To, <laughs> I, no comment. No comment. No comment. But there were some people that would they would just get up and leave after the marching band show was done. They would just be like, "All right, and we're out." And no, it was not just my family. There were more people than that. I like the popcorn. It's yeah, good, the yeah. walking tacos, the popcorn. Yeah, the concession food in general. The general stuff. socialness of the game. Yeah. I was a cheerleader and in the marching band. Ooh. Oh, that was an interesting We didn't combo. have a marching band. We had a pep band. Yeah, oh, that's what yeah. we called it, too, yeah. was pep band. We didn't have enough to, like, march on the field. It would have looked silly. But we had our <laughs> own section yeah. in the Ooh, state. They did a circle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The pep band for us came later in the year. When when basketball was going on, then it was we had a pep band. But in the fall, we were doing marching band competition. So it was like this is our practice. Every every time there's a home football game, we'll practice the marching band show on the field. And then we'll so. bring it during competition yep. times. Yep. Love it. Okay, next question. Super Bowl for the football game or for the halftime show? <laughs> I go for the concert, and they just play football around it. Yeah. <laughs> See? See? Uh, not even the Super Bowl can escape this. Validation. That's right. <laughs> Once again, I'm like, oh, the food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Megan, it's put the way to your heart. It sure is. I love that. And your dear daughter, Gigi, also Oh, very much so. Food yes. as a love language, so that's hilarious. Yeah. And really your husband, too, I can see. We love to eat. <laughs> Basically, any opportunity we get for buffalo wings and cheese dips, like that's yeah. what we're, that's yeah. what we're there for. Oh, fun. Okay, so we are talking all about Galatians six one, or sorry, Galatians chapter six verses one through six, the practical life in the spirit. And Jennifer, you start us out with the family life in the spirit, and that we are all family in Christ. And and Paul starts us off with what phrase that we really sets us off for that idea. Yeah, he says brothers and sisters. And what I love about that is it's really communicating your identity in the family of God, and it's communicating your relationship to the rest of the family of God. Yeah, and I love, you know, I think most of us here at this table, just because I know each other so well, probably have a pretty healthy context of what family means. But I think it's important for our congregation and our listeners to point out that this is God's family, by the way. This is a perfect love. This is a perfect family. Like, I think it's important to point out that maybe finally your earthly family dynamics might not always be the reflection of what God or Paul is calling us into in that family context. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I've definitely heard it argued before that you shouldn't refer to your church as a family because not everyone has a healthy family 
And yet that's the point. Like no family is healthy. No family is perfect. We strive for that. Um, But then it it just even more gives us a better idea of what family really means. I mean, amen to that. We're talking about this throughout this whole message. We'll get there. I'm sorry if I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but but this like idea of how to come to one another with our, our carers and our burdens and how, what a perfect example, but a family to be able to learn how to come back together. You know, like if you fight with, if you've ever had a sibling, you only child's out there, it's okay. Just listen in. But if you've ever had an argument with your sibling and then, you know, kids are so funny, they, they make right back up. Like, like it was nothing. If you see like sisters fight and they scratch and they push each other and steal each other's Barbies and they're like, Hey, do you want to, you want to go watch TV with me? Yeah, I do. And they're like Mm -hmm. over it. Yeah. It happens a pretty quick turnaround there. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. It's like, there, with with the go, like going into the family analogy in Galatians, it's like it's assuming that there are problems that we all have, and yeah. there's a there's a relationship mending that goes on. It's like we're not assuming that this is perfect between familial units by any means, but and it's not perfect between believers either. That's the whole point. Is there we're gonna address that. I love that. I think um, something actually that when I was studying that came up, actually, this isn't the first time he says that in Galatians. And I don't know. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think we really hit on this part heavy in our study of Galatians yet. But this is like the ninth or tenth time he says that in the text. And so what I, you know, when you take Galatians in totality, when you take everything he's talking about, like when he's talking about you know, that Jesus plus anything else for salvation. And when he's telling them that they're, you foolish Galatians, you know, when he's, when he's <laughs> calling out all these things, he's still doing it in the, Paul is still doing it in the context of family yeah. because he is regularly bringing back in brothers and sisters. And I think it's two points. I think one, and I think we'll, we'll get into it, but, you know, Paul doing the, the bringing the conflict, Paul bringing the, the stuff, I think it helps him set a, a right frame of mind on to how to proceed. But the other side of it is for the receiver, it helps set the frame of mind of like, if you are truly coming to me as a brother or sister, yeah. then I can receive that differently. Yeah. It's not a stranger. It's not right. someone that is apathetic to me. It's my brother. Mm-hmm. It's my sister. She cares about me. And she knows me in a way that no one else does. Mm-hmm. My sister knows me on a level no one else knows. Like, yeah. Back that's- to your point, Kate, of when they fight... Families love each other and you yeah. you assume the best of one another. And even though you might have an argument at one point in the day, you ultimately know their heart. And it's yeah. like, oh, I know they don't hate me. I know they love me. Right. All right, let's go do something else. Like we're, we're friends again. It's okay. And that's that family relationship of seeing the best in one another and working it out. Amen. And doesn't that just speak on like the dysfunction we see in yeah. the church? Not yeah. just like Zion, little Z, but capital C church where it's like, denominations there is dysfunction but at the end of the day know each other's heart that y'all love jesus yeah yeah i love that yeah that's the goal yeah sometimes yeah go go ahead no you're fine i was just gonna say that it you know in that context he begins with that brothers and sisters and what is he calling us to do that restoration that we this process of returning and repairing something you know how does he get us there to calling out other people's sin Mm -hmm. Is that for me? That's for you, Jennifer. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. And so what's interesting, what I love about this is because if we don't address the topic of sin in our family and in our local church and the big, big C, it has, it's very harmful. It's harmful to the person who's sinning. It's harmful to the person who was maybe a victim of that sin. It's harmful to our witness. It's harmful to our, like our impact in the community. It's harmful for our, our whole, like our whole church body. One thing that I was, when I was just studying, one of the things that kept coming back to was this idea of if we don't deal with one another's sin, it still affects us. We might think that it doesn't. Like, if I really don't know what, what sin you have going on in your life and it's not really my business and not really my place to address it, we might think that that doesn't actually affect us, but actually it does. Actually, it affects the entire family collectively. Yeah. And so that's why there's this community aspect of like, it is your business. I mean, it, you have to address it. There, there's a responsibility of the family to to restore one another and to bring one another to a place of completion and wholeness. 
And you kind of, I love it how you bring it up when you talk about like the law of Christ and you, you reset it again right after you said this law of love, you know, Christ calls us, he throws out all 613 of these laws and he says, I'll do you one better. Here's two, love God and love others. And if you're not loving others, Paul tells us, you're not, not loving, loving God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's this idea of like, no, if you truly love others and love God, you want what's best for them. Yeah. And that means allowing them and helping them and walking alongside them to be restored. And I love you said, um, what was it, like original condition. Mm-hmm. And I immediately thought of like Genesis, mm-hmm. original design. like in how God In the garden, this yep. paradise idea you want to talk about kingdom come. Yeah. This new heaven, this new earth, this new kingdom that God has for us that's coming. We have a taste of it as believers here today. And that is a part of that restoration. And I just, it was just a beautiful, I loved your imagery. Well, one, you're an incredible writer, but two, you're an incredible teacher. And I just loved your, your, the way that you worded things just really helped me understand that, how precious yeah. a person is, you know, and that leads us to that next part of understanding how precious they are of like the three components to restoration. So first, what do we need when you're, when you're step or like, okay, tell me all about done, restoration, done, Jennifer. Done. What do you need we in order need to even begin? There to be a sin. <laughs> <laughs> ah, good. Shocking. Okay. <laughs> done. <laughs> Which will not be hard to find <laughs> in our human lives. But I think it is a good point because Paul talks about this idea of being caught in sin. And, and it's not, you know, we talked about this in Sermon Read Through. It's not the the woman who was caught in the act of adultery, like literally busting in, you know, mid-issue. It, no, this is more like, this this idea of caught is more like it hasn't been addressed yet. It hasn't been resolved. It's maybe a presenting issue, but it's not like you necessarily like saw them stealing. It's more like, no, you're here, you're hearing about it and that's coming up. And I think it's important to note, this still could be from something 20, 30, 40 years ago. Yeah. Because if the person hasn't been restored from it, it's still a presenting issue. Yeah, there's not like a statute of limitation or what's that yeah, called? Yeah, statute of limitations, yeah. Yeah, on sin with your brother or sister. Yeah. You know, it's like, hey, especially if, I love that you talked about um, that it's not like a victimless thing. Like, it does affect our community, but it, you don't even realize how much a sin that maybe you committed 30, 40 years ago yeah. affects you still today, that you you now have all of this hurt all mm-hmm. over the place. Yeah. And me as a sister in Christ and knowing you and loving you and walking alongside you, I say, wow, I see this. Are you aware of this? Yeah. Is this something that we've dealt with before? Yeah. yeah. And I was, I was just thinking about this because we use the imagery of the carrying the backpacks and something that just, I never, I didn't think about this when I was preparing the message, but something that just came to me is like, some of us have had things in our backpacks for so long, but we don't even understand. That <gasps> you got to talk weights. about what you found in your purse. A purse of shame. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone in podcast land, you should see my head shame right now. <laughs> Jennifer's you know, leaning into the microphone, head down. I don't. I don't know what this is. I, I have no idea what this is. I'm share. I, I'm free in Christ. Amen. So I, can, Amen. I can't even compare because you should see mine right now. I'm yeah, pretty no. sure there's like a teaspoon from my kitchen in my purse. Oh like, yeah. What is this? You know, like the baby or bridal shower games where they're like, "Do you have this in your purse?" Yeah. It's like, how does every woman have these obscure things yes. in their purse? Yes. Oh, see, I'm just kind of like uh, my mind would be a literal backpack. I'm I carry around a backpack. Yeah. And there's just. There's just junk in there sometimes. <clears throat> Excuse me. Like, I found a piece of candy from, like, it must have been years, Two, the years year, ago. I'm like, why is this? Yeah. yeah. When you were partying, like, 1999. Yeah, yeah. With this marching band. With, like, yeah. With my, like, caramel apple sucker or whatever. <laughs> like, how long has this been in here? Too long. Yeah. So this week I... Um... <laughs> I was having a really funny day, which it was really great. But then I happened to notice that my pay stub had been eaten up by a coffee spill that occurred in my purse. (laughs) So this begs the question, how, what, like, what? When did that spill in there? How How long long has it been been there? Why, why do I keep putting coffee cups in my purse? Not empty, shouldn't be in there. But I think it's a really great reminder that, I mean, to the backpack point of like, 
And uh, sometimes we don't know what we have. And actually it takes the community of believers to say, are you, should you be putting that coffee cup in there, Jennifer? <laughs> I know that this is, this is an issue for this you. This is going to dissolve your paperwork. Is this what you want? <laughs> but also just the awareness that, that it's there. Yeah. Like, and especially if it's something you've been carrying for so long. I mean, childhood wounds and childhood yes. trauma. I mean, sometimes I think people don't, they, I, I really, I really, really don't think, I think you can just get to the place where you are so used to that weight that you don't understand it's a weight. But you don't understand that it's something that you need to be freed from. It's just part of your life. Part of who you are. Yeah. Sometimes. I love that you had said that too in your message when you were talking about like restoring, going to somebody that was um, having an affair. Like, hey, are you having an affair with your, on your spouse? And they're like, no. Because they're thinking of their understanding what an affair is. Like, no, I'm not physically having an affair. I'm not stepping out of my bedroom into a different bedroom. Mm-hmm. But they don't understand that. I'm referring to an emotional affair and it and that the way that you word it was so cool I just went wow imagine how it feels to have somebody call it out Mm -hmm. like Jennifer you have no idea that you're leaking coffee all over inside of your your purse and I say do you know that you're doing that that that's not okay it's ruining your stuff yeah what (laughs) yeah yeah Wow. The the awareness and the opportunity for shame and the opportunity for condemnation and the opportunity to shut down and isolate when you are confronted with something you don't even know is in there. Like that's, that's a real danger, danger. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. It gets even weirder when you thought it was right. I put the lid on it. Yes. I thought right. it'd be fine. Right. Yeah. yeah. We're friends. We're coworkers. That's my work husband. That's my work wife. Like, that's a real phrase that people it use is. in this world. Yeah. It's like, it's normalized to have these relationships. And it's like, I thought I was doing a good thing. No, that's my friend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, wait. Didn't see the damage. And then to, yeah. like, undo all of that. I mean, really, if you are not walking in community, that is a real opportunity. That's a, that's a hard time yeah. for you if you are not living the spirit led life and walking with someone who's living the spirit led life because you, you could easily shut down and and go to a place of shame and isolation. And that isn't what God wants. On that point of talking about like the community, then the second part of restoration is the person who should restore the sinner. And what, what does that person look like? What are the qualifications of a restoring person one who restore restorer i'd be curious to hear yeah you guys go yeah i was gonna make a joke do it make a joke someone who's perfect uh who never (laughs) struggles with sin uh yeah yep no it's there's there's a lot of there's there's a lot of time i think you mentioned it jennifer there's a lot of times where we just let things go where we might see something and go i don't know if i'm supposed to deal with that and to to that point, maybe you're not supposed to deal with it. Maybe maybe God's saying just just wait, just hold on. But too many, too often, and I can be guilty of this a lot. Is I'll just you just, you notice something, you see something, and go, should I say something? And the default is no, I don't need to say anything, and I don't even think about it, pray about it, ask about it. It's just no, I don't need to do that because I don't feel qualified or I don't feel comfortable spiritual enough. Spiritual enough. Mm-hmm. It's like you don't have to be spiritual enough or you don't have to be knowledgeable enough you just have to be first off community that's yeah. the most important part is having somebody your who you're friends with or you hang out with or you do life together and gentle and that's yep. the other qualification yep and really Gentle. really those are the only two things we, they, we don't see like well you must have you know been born again for 4 years and been baptized in the holy spirit and, and go to 36 out of 52 sundays yep, yeah you got to make sure you are at least yeah at the 36 mark no <laughs> you just need to love jesus and have and like out of that love and relationship you will have the holy spirit and as and Really, it's just about living in that spirit and stepping in and walking with him. And that is what guides the ability to restore. But I do think we have a huge problem where it's like, like, this is a phrase I like to say, not my, you know, not my circus, not my monkeys. Yeah. (laughs) No, sometimes it is. It is your circus. And even if it's not like clearly mine, because of the impact of the sin on our community of believers, it now actually is my circus. 
And I do have a responsibility as that family member to address it. But I think it is so easy. And I think we just live in a world that's like so, sometimes we just close our eyes because it's just easier to not see. And it's just easier to not be in conflict. And so so we'll be like, well, that's not really my business. That's really not what God's word says. And so how do you step into that as being the one who lets you into my business and also you enter into someone's business and someone's Mm -hmm. mess? Yeah, being willing to ask for help if you're the one who is struggling with something or being the person who is lovingly, gently approaching someone else and being, is this something you're struggling with? Those are both like really terrifying prospects to be in, you know? What do you think, Megan? What what do you think is a part of that rest that person who restores? You know, what what kind of things if you were gonna go and restore someone, if you saw something, what things would you do first or how would you begin? I think the biggest thing is your heart and your intent mm-hmm. behind it. And if this person really is a family member, you want the best for your family. Absolutely. You don't want them to suffer. You don't want them to go on not knowing they had a spill in their bag. You want you uh, want the them. coffee. I'm so glad <laughs> the Lord keeps <laughs> This is just going to be the example. But it's such a good example. It's a good example. You don't want them to know. You don't want them suffering any more than they have to. And so, John is right. Sometimes it's not your place to say it or it's not your responsibility. But when it is, as long as you're taking it to the Lord first and praying about it and asking the Spirit to be involved. Yeah. Then you have that, you have the Holy Spirit's power. It's not just coming from you anymore. It's not just coming from your place of concern, but God's concern for them. And so when you get to be that friend and that um, person that comes alongside, you're bringing the Holy Spirit who comes alongside us. The helper. The helper, the, yep, and paraclete. And Mm. getting to be that person that meekly walks with them through whatever issue they're dealing with. And keeping in mind that, no sin is great. Like, no one yeah. ever wants to be called out on something they're doing wrong. No. And bringing that attitude of leaving the pride at the door. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, amen. I love that. Um, I was going to say, too, when, John, you were talking about, like, you often find yourself um, not saying things or being like, oh, it's right. not, not my problem. You know, like, oh, that's not for me to say. Like, should I say something? I am the polar opposite of you, and we mm-hmm. I think we <laughs> complement each other well, but I, I'm like, see something, say something. Like, I'm at the airport. <laughs> Give me the honorary yeah. TSA badge right now. Yeah. Like, if I see something, I'm like, hey, you, you know this? And I don't stop enough. I, I speak before I listen, but I am, I'm quick to anger, actually. <laughs> and I'm, I, don't, I don't invite the spirit along with me enough before I say something. I think as I've matured in my faith and as I've matured as a human being in general, I've gotten better, but I still find myself slipping up and think, mm-hmm. okay, when I just said this or addressed this, did I let Jesus in here first? Did I bring the fruit of yeah. the spirit? Did I have an mm-hmm. advocate along with me telling me exactly the gentle words to say? Because that was not done in gentleness sure. or kindness at all. Oh, it goes both ways on the personality. You might be quick, but I am <clears throat> so reserved that I also am not seeking or confronting when I should be. Wow, yeah. Right. And so just because I didn't say something doesn't mean I prayed about it and was like, no, <laughs> now is not the time. Yeah. Right. I also wow. failed in that part. Yeah. That's cool. I love that we get that view of that polarization. So now we've we've taken it to God. We are walking in the spirit. We know this person. We love this person. We have relational equity with this person. We've been doing life with each other. That is my sister. That is my brother. How should the restoration occur? Um, I know we already kind of talked about it, but really the only instruction I think we see Paul give is gently. Yeah. And, you know, as you guys were talking about bringing the Holy Spirit into that conversation, one of the things when I have experienced, I shared a little bit about this um, on Sunday, but there's been other times when I feel like, Kate, you have done this, where it's like, I know that that came from the Holy Spirit because it was so careful and so protecting and so loving that even though it's terrible to receive that, because nobody nobody wants to be shown their blind spots. Nobody wants to be told. No. You don't want to be told you're having an emotional affair when you didn't even know it was an emotional affair. Like, right. nobody wants that stuff. 
But because you know that it there the it is actually a sacred and a holy thing that's occurring, it wow. just allows you to be able to step into that a little bit better and be able to receive it and go, yes, okay. And you you do that. I think Jason mentioned this a couple of weeks ago where um Oh, and I'm not going to say it well, but it's like this idea of like when you are being convicted, you're simultaneously comforted. Comforted. That's what a relation, like a good conversation, a good confrontation wow. about sin would be like. Yep. Where if I'm restoring you simultaneously, I am convicted and comforted. Wow. And what mm-hmm. a beautiful example of like, we were talking about in the sermon read through of like, what are some more examples of how Jesus did this perfectly? Yeah. Of the cross. Yeah. Right? I mean, we were simultaneously convicted of our sin and comforted and restored in his one act of true love. Yeah. Wow. Because it's like, well, why did Jesus have to die? Because you're a sinner. I'm a sinner. But is that okay? Yeah, because Jesus died for me and I'm restored now. I was like, I just now made that connection. I'm like, oh my. Hello, Jesus. We don't deserve you. Yeah, it's not. (laughs) You're a sinner. Look what you did. He's on the cross because of your your awful mistakes and horrible. Yeah. yeah, and it's also not now. You you were you were perfect all along, and now you're perfect. Right. No, no, no. It's you're a sinner, but there's grace and forgiveness mm-hmm. at the same time. Yeah, at the same time. You know. I thought. Oh, go ahead, Megan. I was going to say, um, I would much rather be restored or confronted. Um, by Jesus mm-hmm. than anyone else. <laughs> right. Because it's yeah, absolutely. always done so much out of love. If I'm reading my Bible in the morning and something jumps across the page of like, that's you. <laughs> um, it's so much kinder and gentler than even a friend or family member bringing it to yeah. me. And, yeah. and so when you have that in mind too, of like, how would Jesus do this? How would I want him to tell me Yes, that there's an issue here. How can I be that for this person? I agree. I think that's one of the most important things that was brought up in your message, Jennifer, is like kind of this idea of how would you want it to be done for you? Now, now if you're the one that needs to be re- restored, you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, that golden rule idea of how would Jesus do it for me? Because yeah. that's the way I would want it. Amen. That's yeah. a really great point. I think it is important to note that <laughs> Even if we do this spirit-led, like we're seeking the Lord and it, and we feel like it's very gentle and it it may not produce anything. Amen. It may not bring a person to repentance. It may not, it may cause a rift in your relationship. I mean, it may not be the outcome that we're hoping for. And that doesn't excuse us or put us off the hook to continue to, to invest into their, into their life. And I think that's, what's so tricky about relationships and about being in a family is if you, if you are actively rebellion, rebelling, both those times didn't come out right in my mouth, (laughs) rebelling, you're actively rebelling, you are sinning, it's confronted and you still don't come to a place of repentance well, what does that mean now for me as the the restorer? What does that mean now for me as the person who has the relational equity? Mm-hmm. I don't. It does not mean you cut them off. Yeah, I love you said that. Probably. I mean, I'm. I'm. We're, we need to have a disclaimer of like there are certain things, boundaries. There are certain safeties. boundaries, physical safety. I mean, there are certain things, but that's we're we're talking the ninety percent of the stuff. The ninety yeah. percent. We're of talking the, the ninety nine right now. Yeah, the ninety nine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's stuff. And so it's like. No, you still have an obligation to be in their life. You still have an obligation to be an influence. You still have an obligation to pray for them. Maybe the maybe the Lord, out of your obedience and continuing to trust him and continuing to remain in that, will produce really wonderful things in their life some other time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love that when we were talking about just now, you said um, that there's like disclosures or whatever, but it's um, it, you said in your message – that it doesn't always turn out the way that you think it will. And you you went up through these examples of like, what happens if they deny it? And they say, no, I didn't do that. And I just recently had a very hard situation mm-hmm. where my son was in a situation where someone had harmed him or said something harmful to him. And the other party denied it. And it was like, so what do you do? How do you restore from there? Yeah. And I couldn't help but be like, take that. So like put myself in there. Like have, have there been times where 
I've confronted someone, maybe they've done the harm to me and I'm calling out that sin or I've seen them do harm to others, you mm-hmm. know, like little kids in, in children's ministry where it's like, that sucker, mm-hmm. you know, like, did would you call them out and be like, hey, I saw you take that. Mm-hmm. You know, let's talk about it. How do you help them restore it? No, I didn't. I didn't take it. That's my sucker. <laughs> like, what do you do? And I I thought of that example, Megan, when you, you this, the context is Megan is a small group leader for children's ministry in second grade girls. A sucker was given to a girl who had like won a prize or something and another little girl had taken it. And so when the original sucker owner was like, where's my sucker? The other girl said, I don't know. I didn't take it. <laughs> and later, Megan let it kind of play out and just kind of let little girls be little girls and said, you know what? I'm not going to condemn you here. I'm Don't worry, we'll get you another sucker. And the Holy Spirit moved in that little girl's heart and she said, hey, Miss Megan, I did take the sucker and I'm so sorry. And they were able to restore mm. that without mm. condemnation. And that really helped me just now. I'm thinking about it in a situation with my son. It was like, sometimes I don't need to come and be Holy Spirit conviction so much as how do you lovingly hold someone to a standard by example? And that can be a hard understanding of like, there's so many different complexities of restoration of mm-hmm. like when is it the right time and who's the right person and who should say that you know maybe maybe it's not for me to say but it's for my husband to say maybe it's not for me to say but it's for the teacher to say you know how often do I want to take the bull by the horns yeah. and take control yeah. mm-hmm. especially when it's your son and someone you love so dearly yeah yeah you jump into that role automatically yeah without pause well, yes. and I think this is where meekness comes into play. Hey, oh, please meekness touch on isn't that. Weakness. Meekness is a weakness. <laughs> I loved how you worded it. Yeah, it's po- we- meekness is power under control. And so, you know, in the in the case, particularly when you're the one who's been offended, yeah, you now have incredible power to destroy that person. Wow. And instead, meekness says, "I'm going to hold that power under control and restore you." And wow. that is the that is the law of Christ. Mm-hmm. Like that is about as close to perfection as we can have on this earth. And so that's why this is so important. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. I yeah. love that. And to be playing on the other side of it, um, you know, just because it's godly doesn't mean it's from God. That's what Pastor Derek was talking about in the sermon read through when he was saying like sometimes we feel like what we're doing, we, we, we want to take control or because of like we're in ministry here on staff, mm-hmm. we're doing godly things. It doesn't always mean that we're being called by God to do the restoration. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that we had gotten to that point too. Um, and from there, let's talk about that that illustration. I loved it so much. Your backpack. The backpack. The backpack chaos that ensued on stage too. I'm just picturing it. This is pre-recorded. It doesn't have, hasn't happened yet. It could be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but we think it's going to be great. Coffee spilled everywhere. <laughs> yeah. and I'm I definitely putting a coffee cup in the <laughs> bag. I am. I'm going to, I don't have the destro- completely destroyed piece of paper I threw away, but I do have other coffee stained ones from my purse. <laughs> I'm go. going in there. There we go. I love it. So you want me to share about it? Yes, please. So I I just, um, this was the only thing I felt like, well, as I was like preparing that I really felt like the spirit was like, you need to do this. People need to see what this tangibly looks like. Yeah. And so it's really this idea that like we all have things in our backpacks. We all have things that we carry, weights. Um, and part of living in the spirit-led life is that you are carrying one another's burdens. And so how do you do that? If you don't know what's in their backpack, how do you do that if they aren't sharing what's in their backpack? How do you do that when you have your own backpack? And these are all like difficult things. Um, And, and, you know, I kind of get into this idea of like this phrase that's kind of in the world of like, choose your heart. Guess what? You walking with another human in community, being vulnerable, carrying one another's burdens, carrying your own burdens and their burdens and vice versa is just as hard as being the person who's by themselves with nobody to help carry them. And you have a choice. And the choice is, do you want to live in community or not? 
The choice is, do you want someone to know of what's in your backpack? Mm -hmm. Are you willing to share that? It's not going to be easy. In fact, it may be so awkward and complicated. Most likely. It will be because it's human, but it's still the law of Christ. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's the thing that, you know, I didn't really go into this, but just as I was processing this of like, would I, would I rather walk a mile with another person helping me carry my burdens and we're, we're carrying, we're co-carrying. That's, that's not really a thing, but I just made it a thing. (laughs) Or would I rather go a mile by myself? Yeah. And you know what? If nothing else, I got someone to talk to for that mile. Yeah. If that's the only benefit that I get is is relationship and not being alone, but that is that is benefit enough. Yeah. So anyway. I think of too, like when we're we're talking about backpacks and this like idea of carrying a backpack together is kind of hard to visualize. And I'm just picturing some chaos happening on stage and and showing physically showing that this is a hard thing to do together. But I also think of like the imagery that Jesus uses as a yoke. Yeah. You know, and you hear that Christianese phrase of like, oh, they're unevenly yoked. This idea of like one person is better or worse than another. And sometimes that can make um, whatever you're doing, whether it be a relationship, a marriage or a ministry hard to do together. But I also think of like if you like have this yoke idea or even like dog sleds and usually there's a lead dog. Sure. You know, or like, could you picture a, a, a harness or an axle of like uh, for ox or horses where there's multiple? And if me and my sister are sharing a yoke, but right in front of us is this lead oxen, this yeah. Jesus that we are following and our eyes are following the lead, but we're carrying it together. Whereas you're not just sharing each other's burdens alone, where it's right. like, I don't know what to do with this weird coffee soaked rock. Jennifer, um, <laughs> what do I do with this? Oh, but I've got Jesus. Okay. He's the example to help me figure it out. And I think that the other part of this example that we had talked about was full disclosure. We're talking to this 80% of yeah. people that are healthy and should be hearing this message, should be hearing this and doing more, um, stepping out into the spirit led life and holding each other um, accountable, carrying mm-hmm. each other's burdens together, um, walking in that spirit. There are times and situations flat out where you need to handle your own things before you can carry someone else's. That your backpack is way too heavy right now. Right. You're, you're not seeking to, who can I help? Who can I, whose backpack can I carry? Who who else can I carry? Right. Yeah. That's codependency. You, and that's not always a healthy thing. I mean, it's flat out not healthy. It's, I think, yeah, it's important to recognize of the three components to the restoration, the first two is the person who's struggling or is sinning. Yeah. And then the person who's restoring. It's too easy sometimes, I think, for some people to, I don't have anything. My backpack's empty. There's yeah. nothing. I'm good. I'm just, I want to, I want to see who I need to help restore here. And it's like, did you look inside your backpack? Well, no. (laughs) And I don't know the address, but I know who lives there. And there's scripture that is like calling us children of the light and we walk in the light. And how you do that is you bring that sin into Into the the light. light. Confess, confess, yeah, yeah, confess with one another. And it's like. If you're if you're keeping your backpack in the dark and you're like, oh, you're not even carrying it around. You just put it in a closet over here. We're not going to look about it. Look at it. Talk about it. Yeah. Of course, I can go around and carry everybody else's backpack and put my fingers in things that I probably shouldn't be right now. Yeah. And it still comes back to motivation. Right. Hey, oh, right. if, yes, you're, if your part, your reason to carry their backpack. I wonder if I should say this more on Sunday. Like it, it cannot be so that you have weaponry against them it cannot be so that you can gossip about them it cannot be so that like it truly has to be because it is the law of christ to carry one another's burdens and because you love that person if the motivation is anything other than that get your hands off their backpack you want to see them restored to a right relationship with christ and others yeah not I want to know what's going on with this person. Ooh, or, let me let me see what kind of bricks you got. I, I am so great. Look, I helped yeah. this person. I think there's like a Christian skit that kind of like you know makes fun of things that things that Christians do or whatever, and it's this mm. idea of like Cheryl and Bertha, <laughs> not real people, like these what? Midwestern women on the phone with each other. And we're like, oh, we're not gossiping, but let me tell you my prayer list. You know, like we should pray <laughs> yeah. for them. And yeah. it's like this idea of like, where's your heart in it? Are you really calling 
you know, your your prayer ministry team to pray yeah. and bring this to the, feet, the, the foot of the cross? Or are you just gossiping? Well, yeah. and here's the thing, too. If you are truly carrying one another's burden, <laughs> that's an added weight to your own life. Yeah. It actually is going to be stressful and trying and hard and, like, burdensome for you. And, um, and yet that's what God says to do. And so it's one of those things where it's like, if you, if your motivations are not pure, it will be, end up being a damage, not only to the person who has the, the weight, but it'll be a damage to you because truly carrying one another's burdens means that you suffer with them mm. and that, and that you mourn with them and yeah. that you like, that you go and, through it with them. And you celebrate with them. And you celebrate. When, yeah. When yeah. That, and you, you rejoice. Know. With those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Yeah. But that might, we might not get, might not get <laughs> you that. might not get that. Might take yeah. years or, you know, yeah. might take a lot of time. And yeah. Megan, when we were talking about like, um, you know, that the, the danger of restoring someone and carrying each other's burdens together he, Paul calls us out and he says, watch out. Yeah. What is he, what is he calling us to watch out for? Like, I'm going to fall into the same temptation of coffee smuggling in my purse. <laughs> oh coffee smuggling. <laughs> what is that? that Excuse that me, ma'am. Are you smuggling? Excuse me, I'd like to inspect TSA. your backpack. I have heard about your mug. Yeah. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. He's talking about pride. Um, and putting yourself above them and thinking, oh, I would never act the way you're acting right yeah. now. I would never say the thing that you just said. And so let me come in and help and bring you back to a right relationship. Cause clearly you have no idea what you're doing. You yeah. poor thing. Wow. That's not okay. <laughs> yeah. That's terrible. But we do that all the time. Don't we? And oh, we I even, do. Here's the one that gets me. Bless her heart. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, bless her heart. <laughs> <laughs> bless mine. <laughs> yeah. It's true. We, yeah. we, oh, and pride is so sneaky because yeah, we don't is. know when it's happening in the moment. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. I feel it, like it's, it's maybe not fun is the wrong word, but like it's gratifying to be in a position yeah. where wow. you are the one helping somebody else. You, be, so, you become the savior. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It, you, no, everybody wants to be in that position. Nobody wants to be the person who's being helped and is struggling. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to be in that position. And Megan, you know, you, you spent a couple of years, quite a few years in um, a, a, a primarily missions directed mm-hmm. uh, ministry vocation. And, you know, like, how do you, I, when you just said that, of like that you become the savior, like, how do you address that with your teams mm-hmm. of that's not what we're doing here? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. There's a ton of examples, um, but one I'm going to steal, it's Tom Tool's favorite. Um, mm-hmm. We were in Haiti and noticed, um, but people were, we, I don't know if it was our team. I don't think it was. Someone was giving out a bunch of shoes and um, heart seemed to be in the right place. of so like, yeah, we're, we're doing this awesome thing. Like clearly you need some shoes. I'm going to give you some shoes. And it, as a missionary going over there, you're like puffed up, like, oh yeah, I, I did some good. I brought this person's shoes. They really needed it. Like, right. look at how awesome, what mm-hmm. a good thing I did for this poor individual that needed shoes without realizing what it did to the person trying to sell shoes on the next street over. And it was like, you didn't do diddly squat. You just made this other person's life (laughs) harder. Or maybe they didn't really need new shoes and you just thought you took pity on them for no reason to elevate yourself. Maybe they just like walking around without shoes on. I do. So <laughs> who knows? But like you, you, right. do. you don't it's easy to context. go into that mindset of like, oh, I'm here to help. I'm here to do all of your saving. And it's a simple illustration, but it, it can be applied wow. to anything. Of like, yeah. oh, clearly your marriage is suffering. Let me step in and help without wow. realizing, no, that was never your place in the beginning. You didn't approach this at all with the right heart. You got tempted and let pride get in the way. Wow. That is so good. And you think of that mic drop. Hello. That's a really great example. You think of that, like, when you're going to someone, we were talking about that person who does the restoring of that that relational equity you talked about in your message, of knowing that person, being a true sister or brother Mm -hmm. to them. This That example that you gave of the mission where it's like, you didn't know the people, you didn't know the land, you didn't mm-hmm. you didn't know their actual needs, but you came into it with pride first. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yep. That's really yep. cool. Um, okay, so finishing out, 
I really loved, Jennifer, um, you know, we were talking about this such power with control, and we're talking about, um, you know, being the restored, the person, your example that you gave of this mentor that you invited into your life to tell you if you're sucking at life. (laughs) I literally (laughs) laughed out loud. I loved it so much. Um, And this idea, like, what is something that if, if it were you, what would you want to hear? What would you want to receive? How would you want it to be? Like, you know what I mean? If you were the yeah. one being restored, what's something that you say, don't do it without blank? Yeah. One thing for me is I actually want it to be called sinful. It's not, mm. it's like sin for me, the word sin for me attaches to the cross. And so it doesn't go to a place of shame or condemnation. If wow. it's sinful, that just simply means it's going against God. But my sin's already hung on the cross with Jesus. So I can, I, so I, I personally like that language. I don't know if everyone would, but it's, for me, for me too, it kind of cuts through the, the crud, the crap of like, well, is this good? Well, where are my motivations? Right. Mm. Well, blah, you know, and you kind of just like, you can, you can like, what if it and like, yeah. um, give so justify. many excuses and justify. And if it's like, no, this was sinful. It's like, Oh, get to the point. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And so yeah. not only is the sin addressed with like, I don't have to talk myself out of it that it wasn't, but now I can connect it back to Jesus on the cross and go, yes, it was sinful. Yeah. But I can be restored from that, and I can, and I am already forgiven. I can walk in that forgiveness, and it can be done. It doesn't have yeah. to continue to be a thing in my life. So for me, that's something that I I think mm-hmm. that really speaks on your healthy understanding of sin and the cross. Yeah, because if you have a very unhealthy understanding of that's sin, right. you're immediately going to attach it to shame. That's right. And the, that, that simultaneous comfort of Christ. And I thought that was really cool. That really speaks on your, your healthy, under, deep understanding of that. What about you, John? Well, I feel like to that point, you need to have somebody who can say the hard things to you. Because I, I feel like I can sugarcoat things for myself yeah. where it's like, well, I mean, it's probably okay. It's not really that bad. It won't happen again fill in the blank of like it's not as bad as it is and and to have somebody to go now it's pretty bad it's pretty bad (laughs) excuse me whether it's excuse me whether it's actually calling it sin yeah or being like i think you need to look at this a little bit more seriously than you are right now because you're not seeing the ramifications of your actions um it's It's, it's, yeah, having somebody who can say that, again, saying it from a position of grace and, um, oh my goodness, I just blanked on it, um, from a position of, of, uh. Like love and relationship. Yeah, of relationship, Gentleness. of equity, of, of meekness. That was the word I was oh. looking for. Yep. Of being like, I, I want to help you and I want you to recognize what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. I would want somebody to come to me and be like, this is important. This is serious, but I'm on your side. Yeah. I want to help you through this. I love that. It's not about you're a bad person and you've done this horrible. I already know it's horrible. If I'm justifying it to myself and being Mm -hmm. like, it's not that bad. I, it's bad. (laughs) I just don't want to admit it, you know? Wow. Somebody, somebody realizing that now I know it's bad, but we're gonna help work through this. What about you, Megan? No, I just I love that. I'm chewing on that of like, no, I, I'm here because I I love you, and I'm gonna do it with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I'm gonna because it's not just calling someone out or saying, <laughs> pointing out someone's sin and saying you did this thing, like, you should probably repent, take it to Jesus, and like, okay, peace, I'm out. No, carrying each other's burdens yeah. means I'm stepping into I'm this into with it. you, mm-hmm. and we're going to get through it together. That's, mm-hmm. That is the picture yeah. of Christ, and that is true restoration, is completing it to the end. And once wow. you call someone out, you're in it with them until it's done. And wow. Handled. I think that's it. so important. So important. 
and it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you think about that, like even as like even as heartbreaking and as uh, difficult as sin, like when sin enters, like the consequences and the ramifications of that. But yet, even the beauty and of the redemption of the restoration. Mm-hmm. And it, you get to be a part of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, it's wonderful. Like, nobody, we're all sinners. Like, we already know that. So it's this isn't really a matter of, like, well, I don't want to, like, I'm trying, I'm trying to be good. I mean, okay, yeah, you, whatever, you do try. But it's, like, it's one of those things where it's, like, you can just move on and enjoy the beauty of it and the goodness yeah. from it. And you don't have to stay lingering with the bad. You you have you now have a friend. You now have someone who understands. You now have someone who empathizes and empathizes and who walks with you. And like wow. That's beautiful. Amen. That's that is how Christian community should operate. Because one day I'm, maybe it's gonna the roles will be reversed. Yeah. And I think for me, um, you know, the few the few times, the most recent times that I've been, you know, kind of called out on my own sin. And it's been little things here and there. And it's something that is already, to me, I'm already, I love that you said that, John, I'm already aware of it, but it's like this thing I don't want to look at. It's like, oh, it's not that bad, you know, or I'll justify it. Like I, I, it's attached to a childhood wound. You know, it's like, no, I had to be like this to survive. You know, I'm I'm a I'm I'm confrontational because I've had to fight my entire life. Yeah. And then when you get called out, like, hey, you don't need to be confrontational to me. I'm not fighting you. You're now ste- you're the one taking it too far, and you're stepping into sin and anger, and you're reacting beyond what you should be. And then it's like, well, now I'm just shame spiraling, and I'm thinking yeah. of all these things that made me think that I needed to act this way, and now I'm acting and I didn't need to act this way, and you just spiral. You know, and that gentleness and that meekness of being like, no, I'm on your side. Yeah. That, no, I'm with you in this. I'm going to affirm you every step of the way that you're restored and simultaneously comforted in Christ. Yeah. And it's like, wow, this is beautiful. I can't believe I get to walk in this yeah, kind of community. What an opportunity. Wow. Yeah. Okay, guys, this is a good one. I think um, if you are listening and you liked this, Please go on to wherever you're listening to this uh, podcast, Apple, Spotify, the Zion app. Give it a like, give it a share, give us a comment. Let us know what you think. Um, give a shout out to Bob Goff and invite him onto the show again because I love him so much. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but we just really appreciate you listening and going deeper. This, these kind of conversations we don't get to do on a Sunday morning. We only have so much time. Um, And it's really a beautiful thing to do community together in a way that feels like you guys are right here in the room with us, listening and being a part of this deeper breakthrough, breakdown of our sermons and our messages. So thank you once again, Jennifer, for giving us a great message. I'm Kate. I'm John. Jennifer. And Megan. Have a great day, guys. Thank you for listening to the Breakthrough Breakdown, a Zion podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, and check out the Zion app. Share this episode with your friends so they can tune in as well. We'll be back next Wednesday with another installment of the Breakthrough Breakdown.